because I need you to have your sermon notes and your pen. Uh, and we're going to do something that um, up until an hour ago uh, I had never done at church, I had never seen done at church, but something that I felt um, God was really calling me to do. And, and basically, 19 months into our church, we're, we're going to have kind of a, a family meeting today um, to talk about our church and how our church is doing and how you are doing. Um, and to just, I, I just want to kind of talk out loud with you today about some things that I have been going through um, as one of the pastors at this church is, um, you know, one of, one of the guys who's trying to pour vision into leaders, who are trying to pour vision um, into people. Uh, I, I was asked a question uh, in January of this year on a conference call with the oversight committees who, who kind of help us uh, organize and run our church. Uh, one of those is the Launch Network out of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, they very early on, nine months before we started our church, um, started working with us to help us get organized and, and make sure we were doing a good job. And the Liberty Church Planning Network out of uh, Lynchburg, Virginia. Both of those organizations were highly, influ- uh, highly influential in getting our church off the ground and in helping us organizing a church that would, um, that would fulfill the vision that we felt that God had put in our hearts. Uh, and they asked, I was on a conference call in January, and they said, Christian, how is, uh, how's the church doing? And I didn't really know how to answer that question. Um, I said, well, what, do you, what do you mean by that? How is the church doing? They said, well, you know, how's the church doing? I said, not, not just how many people do you have, not just how are the finances, not just are you having fun, um, not just how's the worship or how, how's the small groups. But Christian, we started nine months before you started your church, we started designing a church. Uh, and we really began designing a vision and a mission for the church. Christian, now that you've been doing it for 19 months, does, does the church that actually exists look anything like the vision um, in embryo? And I thought, you know, I, that is a great question. And it's one that I, for the last six months, have been wrestling with trying to answer. Uh, because the, the truth is this, you know, that this church began with a vision. God put a very specific vision in Danielle and I's heart after about 10 years um, of church at a, at a large traditional church that we were supposed to do um, something radically different, that we were supposed to build a specific type of church for a specific type of person in a specific area um, of Kansas City. Uh, and, and all we had for a long time was a vision. I really took nine months. Once God said, Christian, you're supposed to go start this church, I took nine months just to put on paper what I thought the church should look like. And for nine months, all we had was a vision. Um, And then for a second nine months, we had a team. We had a team of about five families. Several of them were in the 915 service. There are a couple sitting on the front row here today who were in the very first meetings where I basically said, guys, I feel like God wants me to start a church that looks like this, that will do this, that will lead people this way. Will you help me? And we had a team of about 15 to 20 adults who said that vision is attractive to me spiritually we, we will help you um, build a church that will have that vision. But eventually the team, after nine months, launched a church. And on September 18, 2011, our church went from being a vision uh, or a team with a vision to a gathering of people. Uh, and the tidal wave of people eventually takes over your church. And regardless of what the vision was or regardless of what the team wanted to do, eventually your church morphs into every Sunday morning, in our case, a bunch of people come together. And the question is, what do those people look like spiritually? How is the church doing? Because the gathering builds a culture, people who think the same, people who dress somewhat the same, people who act the same, people who like the same type of things. The church builds a culture 
And that culture is made up by just one person at a time. So as I tried to answer the question, how is our church doing? I really realized the question was, how are the people doing? How, how are you doing spiritually with what God has called us to do? And I was given a project to do that I, that I want to share with you. Part of today is, is, is going to be information. If this is your very first time here today, I, I both apologize to you because today doesn't look normal um, at our church. Uh, but at the same time, I'm glad you're here because you're going to hear more than some people who have been here a year what our church is really passionate about and what our church is designed to do. And if nothing else, you will leave today knowing why our church exists and what the heck we're trying to do as an organization. But if you're a regular attender, my hope is that you'll open your heart and mind today not to ask yourself, how's the church doing, but to ask yourself, how are you doing? Because if you can help us answer the question of how you're doing, we can understand a little bit how our church is doing. Now, here was the project that I was given that I, that I want to kind of walk you through today. And on the back of your bulletin, you're going to have some sermon notes to follow along with. And if you have your Bible, I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. And if you don't have your Bibles today, our ushers are going to come down the aisle. I've been told we've now given away more than 500 Bibles since our church has started. Just like this. If, if you forgot a Bible, if you just want one to use, um, if you don't have one, take it and put your name in it. This is your Bible. It's our gift to you. Um, you're, you're now 501, 502, 503. Uh, we love to give Bibles away because we think God's word transforms the world through people. Um, and we want you to have a Bible. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, we have what I would consider a life verse. Uh, you say, what is a life verse? It's one that you kind of have loosely memorized, you think about often, and, and you apply it more than once to your life. And Paul is writing uh, a church in the city of Corinth, um, who was kind of dependent on daddy for everything in their life spiritually. Uh, We know biblically, Paul actually wrote four letters to the church of Corinth that we know about. Uh, In 1 Corinthians, we only have two of them in the Bible. In 1 Corinthians, Paul said, my previous letter, so we know 1 Corinthians was really 2 Corinthians. And then in 2 Corinthians, Paul talked about the letter between 1 Corinthians and that one. So second is really fourth. If Paul were numbering them, it'd probably be 2 Corinthians and 4 Corinthians that we have written. But this was a church who, um, they didn't know how to do anything for themselves. And every time they would have a spiritual question, they would write Paul and say, what do we do? And Paul, for at least four letters, said, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. But he got to the end of what I assume is his last letter, tired of writing letters, tired of answering questions, And he basically said this in 2 Corinthians 13. You're going to have to do this on your own. Um, Like, I can't answer every question you have. Eventually, you're going to have to own this and and just kind of figure it out as you walk with God. And he gave one of the greatest verses in the New Testament that I think every Christian every now and then should stop and consider. And he said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. He said, listen, examine yourselves. Now, I want you to underline or highlight or circle those two words if you have a Bible or if you have an iPad or a tablet or a phone and you're tracking along, figure out a way to make those words stand out. He said, examine yourselves. Up to this point for four letters, they kept asking Paul, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? How we doing? How we doing? How we doing? Paul said, enough of me, you. Examine yourself. You know how you're doing spiritually. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Paul said, at some point, your faith has to become your own. You quit asking everyone what you should do, and you just look in your heart and say, do I own this or not? Am I serious about this or am I not? Um, Am I all in or am I not? 
Paul said, no more letters, no more answers. It's between you and God. Are you in or are you out? And Paul said, just check. And if you're in, it'll come to you. And if you're out, that'll be real clear too. But every now and then you need to stop and examine yourself. So I, I was asked by the, the team of overseers of our church to examine the vision of our church with the reality of our church. What do, you, what do you say? What do you mean by that, Christian? I mean, in January of 2011, with about eight inches of snow on the ground, I think it was January 10th, we had five families come and sit in my living room. And I said, guys, here's what I think God wants us to do. And over nine months, we shaped what we thought for us the perfect church would look like. And then we said, do you, um, you think anyone will buy in? Do you think anyone will come? Do you think it'll work? And here we are 19 months later, and my team said, go back to those things that you said a perfect church would look like, um, and just give yourself a grade. So we went back to our eight original values, the things that we said as our church was beginning were the most important. Values drive culture. You say, what do you mean by that? The things you care about are the things you become. Um, And we said, these are the things that our church cared about, and are we or are we not becoming these? The first was generosity. Um, I was convinced, and the team that helped launch the church was convinced that our church was supposed to be a church that gave a lot of money away. Now, the only problem about that at the beginning of the church, we didn't have any money. When you don't have any, you can't give any. But we, we, we kind of made a pledge to God that if you give us some, we'll give some away. And you hear me say every week, it's probably the only thing I say every week, the first 12% of our offering, we give away because we're very passionate about that. Uh, we're so passionate about generosity that in the first six months of the church, I had a meeting with kind of an outside consultant who did finance stuff for church plants. And I said, how, how are we going to get established? How are we ever going to get enough money to buy a building, to lease a building, to buy land? You know, how, how are we going to get out of the school and how to set up and tear down? Um, and they did a big finance evaluation and they came back and said, the only way you're going to do this quickly is you've got to quit giving away money. Um, and they said, if, if you will quit giving away money and you'll instead invest that in a building, we think in the next 36 months you can do that. Would you be willing to do that? And I said, heck no. Um, I will never have a building before I will not give away money. Uh, now, some of you hear that and you think we're never going to have a building. No, prayerfully, we will have a building one day or all the set-up teardown team will kill me at some point because I, I don't do that. That's important, but that has to come in the 88%. Because the 12%, we believe God wants us to be generous and to give as much money away as we can. And there, there aren't a whole lot of things that we say no to because we, we know that, that churches should be generous. I studied the book of Acts for a year. The only reason they ever took an offering in the book of Acts was to give it away. Go study it for yourself. The only reason they collected offerings was to give it, to, give it away. So I said, Lord, if you will allow us, we will collect offerings and, and we will give some away right now. That number is 12%. The second thing we wanted to do is we said we wanted to have radical appreciation. Um, I, I had seen and been around and been engaged in at several different churches that I had looked at ministry um, that, that was burning people out and using people up and then kind of, kind of spitting them out. Uh, you'd find someone who was passionate about Jesus. You'd plug them into an area. They literally would serve until their spirit gave out and then you would just replace them. And if they ever tried to confront you with that, you would just say, maybe our church is not for you, and, and you would go on. And we said, you know, we're going to build a church that the people who serve it are going to feel so appreciated that they're all, they always know we care about them, um, and they know we're sensitive to their time and what they can do. And, and we want to build a church where hopefully people 
won't burn out. So we, we started radically appreciating people. We said on Sunday morning for people who serve, there should be a special green room where they can eat and drink and hang out and rest, and we ought to pay for everything and provide it. And once a year, we ought to do a huge Christmas banquet and just say thanks to the volunteers, and it needs to be free. And then, then we realized that volunteer kids were here all the time. So we said, let's do something for the kids. So we popped kind of what we call a spring carnival, and we said every spring we're going to bring every child of a volunteer, and we're going to pay for everything so that kids understand when they're at church early and they have to stay late, they understand that we appreciate them. And we try to say thank you in just thousands of different ways, from cards to phone calls to gift cards, because we know we can't do church without people. So we said we, we want to we radically appreciate people. We don't just want to say thank you. We want to have radical appreciation. And, and these are kind of easy to grade. I mean, generosity, I would give us an A-plus on, because it's an easy measure. I can call our finance office and say, are we giving away 12%? And they can say, yes. I think last year we gave away 127 this year we'll probably give away more. It's an easy grade. Radical appreciation. I would say we're doing what we set out to do. Do our volunteers feel appreciated? Maybe not all of them. But I think w- what, what we tried to do, we're doing. And you will have to give us feedback and tell us if it's good enough. Three, we said we value simplicity. Uh, we said we're going to start a church that we believe is going to engage very busy people. So we need to have a pretty simple process for people to be able to plug in, grow, serve, meet friends, but, but people are too busy to go to church all day, every day. Have any of you ever been a part of a church where it feels like you go to church all day, every day, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Tuesday morning, men's ministry, Tuesday evening, visitation, you know, Thursday, this, Friday morning, prayer meeting. I mean, just, there's just so much stuff. So we said, all right, we're going to reach people we don't feel like have time for that stuff. This became so clear to me last Sunday, several, of, several people in our neighborhood go to our church And last Sunday evening, right about 8 p.m., Danielle and I had been out for a walk. We were coming home, and one of the families who go to our church had just pulled into their home, 8 p.m., and they were in their driveway, and we began to talk to them. Now, this is a family who the husband was here for setup that morning at 6.15, because we literally pulled in behind each other. Um, And I asked him, I said, how long have you been gone? And he said, we just got home. Like, he left for church at 6 a.m., and got home at 8 p.m. He put in a 14-hour day on Sunday. And that's pretty normal for people who have young kids that are playing soccer, softball, baseball, working, football, gymnastics, dance. I mean, we serve a busy generation. So we said, we're going to have to figure out how to get real simplistic in our church, and we're going to have to value simplicity. We're going to have to say no to a lot of things so that people feel like they can really engage without being burdened with all the other stuff. We violated this last August and kind of paid the price for it. We did a Friday night Bible teaching worship experience deal. August, we have, we have come to find out May and August are the busiest months of the year. Uh, August school has started, fall sports had started. Um, it was kind of the last few weekends to race away and get to the lake. And we had this great idea to do this great ministry. We called it The Well. And we said, we're going to teach on the Bible. I think I taught how you can know that the Bible is the word of God. I mean, it was great content. It took me about 50 hours to put together. We did almost an hour of worship and had several band practice. I mean, I bet we poured 100 staff hours into getting ready for this thing. Guys got off work early and pulled the trailers there on Friday afternoon and stayed late. And I mean, we put all this time into this event. We had like 30 people show up. And you say, why? Because everyone we talked to, our greatest volunteers, our greatest workers, our most faithful people all said, we're busy, Christian, we're, we're busy. We don't have time for church five days a week. We're going to get there on Sunday, so you better fill us up spiritually. 
because we need a simple process to engage in our church. So we said simplicity is important. We said, number four, that spiritual growth is important. If you start a church where no one's growing spiritually, are you really doing anything more than just gathering to sing songs and listen to a message? So we said, we're going we're gonna to have a value that people grow spiritually. This was actually Mac Lake who was here a few weeks ago as he was helping us shape our, shape our values. This was a value he gave us because he asked, Christian, what would make you quit three years in? We're on a conference call with a bunch of church planners. And he said, what's one thing that would make you quit your church plant three years in, even if you had a thousand people and all the money you needed? And I said, if people weren't really growing spiritually, I don't just want to manage a Sunday morning. If people aren't growing spiritually, I don't know that it would be worth it for me. And he said, then you need to add that as one of your values. Because clearly, if it's valuable enough to make you walk away, it's valuable enough to make you stay. You need to let the people know how important it is that they're developing spiritually. Number five, we said global impact was going to be a value. We, we exist. You might have noticed the name of our church includes the word international. Um, we exist to serve the world, bless the world, minister to the world. We give money to people overseas, and we go. And we're always going to go. Uh, we have just in the first 18 months of our church, we've been to Israel, we've been to India twice, we've been to Guatemala, we'll head back to Guatemala in July, we'll be in Israel again in November, we're going to Africa next year, we'll go to India in two years. We're going to go and serve the world. I had someone say, Christian, um, you know, what if, what if the people don't want to be a church that does missions um, all over the world? And I said, then our church will not be for them because we are going to, whether we have 10 people or 10,000 people, we are going to go all over the world doing ministry because we believe Jesus told us to. Not because we like to travel, not because we like to eat food that upsets our stomach for a month, not because we like to drive through the night to Chicago like our India team had to do because our flight got canceled in the snow, not because we like not having our baggage or because it's stuck in Germany for three or four days, um, but because Jesus told us to, we're going to go. We said we're going to have a value of friendliness. That if people hated the music, hated the message, didn't like much about our church, they'd leave and say, that's one of the friendliest places I've ever been. So we have more greeters than we need. We have parking people when it's totally unnecessary because no one needs to be told where to park unless they're having a swim meet. Um, but we, we, we told our parking, they said, what do we do? We said, just stand and wave. We want people to know that we're expecting them. We don't use the word visitor at our church. Uh, if you look at that white banner that back there, it says guest if you look at our connection card, it says guest. Why? Think about the difference between a guest and a visitor. If you invite a guest over to your house, you prepare for them, you clean, you probably have something for them, you're expecting them to come, and you treat them well when they come. When a visitor shows up unannounced, what do you do? Send your kids to the door, you hide, um, you pray it's not a Mormon. I mean, I know, I know, I've been there, right? I get that. Um, I mean, it, you know, we don't like unannounced visitors, so we don't have visitors. We don't have anyone show up unannounced. We expect people to come, and, and we're ready for them. We have more signs than we need. You know what? Most of you don't even see the signs after your first or second time here. You know who sees them? The single mom who walks in with a baby wondering where I go, and she walks in and immediately sees a sign for the nursery. She feels comfortable. The signs people look for the most when they walk into a building are where's the nursery, where's the bathroom. So if you look at our signs, you can know the minute when you walk in the door where the bathroom is and where the nursery is because it's very awkward to say to someone you've never met and a church you've never been to, I have to pee, right? And I mean, that's what, that's what where's the bathroom sounds like. So you just want a sign to tell you that. That's all filtered through our lens of friendliness. We want to, people to be so welcome here. It's why we have mints and scope in the bathroom. 
Just so, you know, in case you're one of those close talkers that none of us like. And it's like, you know, back off. At least your breath smells good when you're close talking. We want to be friendly. Um, Number seven, we want to be spirit-led. You say, what does that mean? That means we want to do what God tells us to do. When God says move, we want to move. When God says stay, we want to stay. When I say, God, I've got this great idea and I want to preach on this. And God says, no, I think the church needs this. I I, I change my mind. Um, And you'll hear often that... I, I tell you, you know, I, I believe God wanted me to say this because I pray and I read the Bible and I, I study and I try to find out what God wants for our church, not what I want for our church. And then number eight, we try to be authentic. We try to be real. Uh, I, I try to let you know every week that I'm not above you because I'm a pastor. Listen, I'm a Christian first. I'm a pastor second. Uh, the era of pastors standing on a stage acting like they're more spiritual than the rest of the world is long over. Uh, most of those guys have fallen And we believe we live in an age where spiritual leaders need to be as spiritually authentic as the people learning so that we can all say, I failed, you failed, we have a long way to go, but like, let's try to do this thing together. So we look at those, and I'll be honest for you, um, it's easy to give seven of the eight a grade when I I did this project. You know, I I know that we're generous. I I believe we appreciate well. We've learned to try to stay simple. Um... Global impact, we've gone. Friendliness, we're pretty good at that. Spirit-led, we're, we're asking God to help us. Authenticity, man, we're, we're sometimes too real. I, I have people say that they sit in church and, and sometimes I just think, did he just say that? Um, yes, I did most of the time. Because um, we try to be real. The only one I couldn't give a grade to was spiritual growth. Because I don't know how you're doing spiritually. And I don't know if you're growing spiritually. And I don't, I don't know that it's important to you or that I've made it important enough to you. I, I can't know. Now, I know we have a, a strategy for spiritual growth. I know, I know what we have put together to help people grow spiritually. We have a strategy at our church we call the four E's. By the way, for those of you who were involved in like the pre-launch services of our church, you've heard this because we used to talk about this all the time before we had a church. And then we started a church and the church took over. We didn't talk much about value and visions and what we were trying to do. But we said here, we we want people to do four things that we think will help them grow spiritually. We want them to experience God through weekly worship services. We think if you come to church, you're going to have opportunity to grow spiritually. We want people to engage in a small group. I really believe that people who go to small groups are probably growing at at a more rapid pace than people who do not because of what the Bible says about friendship and growth. And on June 9th, we'll start our next round of small groups. And I ask you what I would ask anyone, go to three. Um, just go three times. And if you don't like it, you don't ever have to go again. But just give it three times to get to know someone and see if it works for you spiritually. Uh, we ask people to embrace serving. Not because we need a lot of stuff, although we, we do have needs. We believe serving builds people spiritually. And it's a good way to kind of flex your muscles spiritually and today we've had people doing stuff from setting up microphone stands to pipe and drape to for those of you who weren't here early enough uh, we had a family bring turkey fryers today and on the sidewalk it looked like we were grilling turkeys or frying turkeys for uh, afternoon lunch say why do you do that because that's the only way we can heat the water in the baptismal tank so we have people who serve today by bringing turkey fryers and heating water up so the people who get baptized won't be in cold water and i mean from sound people to banner people to driving trailers to whatever um, we want to embrace serving because we believe that's good for people spiritually and then we want to equip people with a spiritual growth plan we want to say hey here's where you are spiritually um, here's where you need to go we've actually got this that uh, our next steps pastor pastor ryan has put together it's kind of a 12 step process 
Uh, and I truly believe that if anyone printed this out and just said in 2013, I'm going to try to grow spiritually, you can find this on our website. Brian may even have some in the back that you can pick up. You have any of these guys back there? You grab one today. Um, I believe if you followed this 12-step plan, you'd grow. I really believe that. So we have a process for growth, but that doesn't guarantee that you have a pursuit of spiritual growth. We can have all the processes in the world, and, and, if, and if you're not pursuing Jesus, you're not going to grow. And growth is very, very important to us. So I, I'm working through this with some of my pastor friends, and I give them our little strategy, um, and they basically say, Christian, you know, that's cool, but that doesn't tell us anything. And here's the fact that we resulted to on the phone with six or seven young church planners. Uh, spiritual growth is seen more in life output than spiritual input. You say, what does that mean? That means regardless of how much we teach, what we say, what we're trying to help you understand, what we teach you doesn't measure how much you grow. What you do with that teaching measures how much you grow. So as I thought about this, I thought, Lord, how, you know, how, how can I know whether people are growing? Uh, one of my mentors on the call said, Christian, you have to ask them. Like, you have to ask people. I said, like a, like a sample size survey? Like ask 10 or 12 people? He's like, no, you have to ask everyone. So how am I going to do that? And he said, you've got to survey your church. I said, I've never done that. That'll be boring. Nobody wants to do a survey at church. And he said, listen, if the people at your church really care about spiritual growth and not just hearing sermons, um, they'll give you 10 minutes to do a survey so you can understand how people are doing spiritually. More than that, Christian, the survey will help people, even if it's their very first time there, they'll help them understand what they need to do that will help them grow spiritually. Now, I told our first service, this may be the first and last time we do this, because as a church we may all say, like, this is boring, and we don't want to do this anymore. Or this may result in something that's so valuable to us, we, we do it yearly because of how important it is to have our finger on the pulse of how people are doing spiritually. So with that said, our ushers are going to come down the aisle, and they're going to give you a little survey that, uh, that we're going to take together. We've come up with 20 questions, um, part of them that deal with process, um, meaning, hey, we've set these things in place. Are you doing them? Do you take advantage of them? Um, part of them that deal with practice, uh, which means, hey, we, we teach and preach that these things are important for growth. Do you do these things? Um, and some of them dealing with your pursuit. Like, do you have a mindset and a willingness and a plan to grow spiritually? Now, don't start filling this out all at the same time. We're going to read through these together. This should only take 10 minutes. 20 questions in 10 minutes. Um, and most of these, it's very much like sixth grade dating. It's yes or no. Um, you know, hey, do you want to go out with me? Yes or no. Circle one. There is no maybe. Um, so it's pretty easy. You don't have to really write out your answers. There's more circles than answers. And what we're trying to do is to go away and find out whether our church is growing spiritually. Is our church growing numerically? Sure is. Um, and I could give you some statistics of that, but to me, those are not the most important things. Uh, I sat in board meetings this week with the pastors on the launch network, um, and I am not on the board. They invited us in. It was announced that of the 26 churches that we have planted, um, we're twice the size of any other church that they have planted. And you know what that means? Nothing. It just means we have more people. Are people growing spiritually? I don't know. If we have a whole bunch of people that aren't growing spiritually, that, that may mean we put on a heck of a show on Sunday morning or that we have better donuts than where you used to go to, um, but, you know, or that you like to wear jeans. I don't know what it means. 
I know the only thing that really is important is how we're doing spiritually and whether or not we're growing. So with that said, 20 questions. Uh, This is anonymous. Please don't put your name on it. And please be honest. Um, If I ask, uh, do you read your Bible outside of church? And like four years ago, you read your Bible one day outside of church. Don't circle yes. Circle no. Um, You don't read your Bible outside of church. I, I need honest answers. And these will come home with me today so I can go home and say, Lord, how... How are we doing in leading people? Because here's the reality. Um, this school that we're sitting in right now has 7th and 8th graders. They have about 500 8th graders. If none of those 8th graders this year passed 8th grade, they would fire the teachers, not the students. If no one in our church is really growing spiritually, that's my fault, not yours. I've not led you well and helped you understand simply enough how to do that. So just be honest and we'll find out how we're doing as a church. First eight questions, like I say, all deal with kind of the four E's. How often on average do you attend the weekly worship service? You know the answer to that. How often on average do you attend a weekly small group if you do? How often on average do you volunteer? How often per year? Look at number four, that's a little different. Um, How often per year have you volunteered in the community? We say that we have a heart for our community, and we give a lot of money to our community. But if like only 10% of our church ever serves in the community, as a church, do we really have a heart for our community? Or do, is that more speech than action? You say, Christian, what do you think the answer is? I don't know. I need you to tell me. Question five, would you consider going on a domestic mission trip with JCI in the next um, three years? The truth is there are foster care orphan organizations here in the States. There are homeless people to serve here in the States. There are unreached people groups in the States. Not everyone has $3,000 in two weeks vacation to go to Africa, India, or Israel. Not everyone has $1,500 to go to Guatemala. But you say, Christian, like, I want to go somewhere and help people. Uh, we're looking at trips right now to Los Angeles, New York City, Chicago. If there's interest in people at a $500, $600 level, I want to go and serve and experience missions. Um, number six, would you consider going on an international mission trips? Um, I'm not talking about money or time off. I'm saying like... Is this even in your spirit and in your DNA? If we call ourselves Journey Church International and say we have this huge heart for the world, but again, less than 10% of our church ever really wants to go, have we put that value deep in people's hearts? Or do we just talk a lot? Um, Number seven, are you on a set spiritual growth plan with concrete spiritual mile markers in it? If you're not, put no. For most of my Christian life, I was not. This year, by the way, my spiritual growth plan has two things that I'm pursuing. God's speaking to me about one thing he wants me to add next year. I mean, this is not like, are you on a 12-step plan? But do you have things this year that you're trying to do to grow spiritually? Um, Number eight, do you feel as if you've been directed towards a spiritual growth plan and have access to one? Maybe you've come to our church for months and this is the first time you've ever seen this. If that's so, I've, I've not done a good enough job of getting it into your hands. Maybe I need to just put it into the bulletin. I, I, need, I need to know how to get this information to you. Um, Number nine, have you made a major spiritual decision at JCI? Yes or no? Um, I've listed some there. Salvation. Uh, Some of you have become a Christian here. Rededication. Um, You've re-engaged spiritually. You you grew up in the church. You gave your heart to Jesus. But then in high school and college and after college, like you just kind of checked out and you're just recently returning. Um, Baptism is a big, big deal. We're going to baptize some folks today. Publicly declared my intentions of living for Jesus in front of family and friends. And then other, if you've written that, we were going to get divorced and now we stayed together We were in a big pile of debt, and now we're working our way out of debt. I mean, spiritual decisions that you've made. We say that we exist to see people far from God, 
become passionate Christians who make a difference in the world. But if we're not really seeing anyone far from God make a spiritual decision, again, is it lip service? Do we just exist to have church on Sunday? Or are we really moving people spiritually? So we're trying to know that. Hopefully the survey will tell us that a little bit. Um, for those of you who are married, um, here's a few questions. And this, these are more practical, but once a year we do a kind of a family series because these are some things that are important to us. Um, have you made important marriage, family, or finance decisions at JCI, such as uh, have you developed a regularly scheduled date night? Two years in a row I've said the secret to good marriage is date night. Uh, I wonder how many of our people have taken me up on that, even in the midst of busy lives. Have you scheduled a romantic getaway or a family vacation? Um, I talked to someone just last week who said, Christian, for the first time, they've been married 15 years, for the first time we're doing a family vacation with just our family. We've always done more family reunion type vacations with everyone. First time we've ever got away, just our family. We're so excited. That came as a result of what they heard here and what they were challenged to do. Couples who for the first time took a night to go get away in a hotel. If you're doing those things, we want to know about them because we're trying to figure out, should we continue every year to do an emphasis on marriage? Should we do it every other year? Um, how are we going to do this? We're trying to figure out if, if, it's, if, it, if it matters. Um, have you stopped using credit cards and begun to pay down debt? Our finance series, we talked about how to handle money and what the Bible says, and we talked about this debt thing. Have you started budgeting? We talked about Joseph how important it is to know how much you have and where it goes. Have you started saving a portion of your income? We talked about that word margin and how you cannot spend everything you have, but you always need to have some left over. So like financially and in family, are, are you making any good decisions? Um, have you told somebody about what's happening in your life spiritually? Next few questions kind of jump to this little brochure when it says, hey, here's the way to begin growing spiritually. Uh, have you invited someone uh, to visit church. That, believe it or not, is a huge step in the spiritual process of getting up the courage to invite someone to church. Uh, many people think, man, if I invite someone to church, they'll think I'm a crazy Christian. If, uh, if I invite someone to church and they don't like it, they'll look at me weird forever. And I, you know, then I'll feel weird. Um, so it's a, a big step. So have you done that? Um, have you considered being baptized as a spiritual next step in your life if you've not been baptized as a teenager or adult? Uh, we, we have probably hundreds of people in our church who were baptized as an infant in a Methodist church, Presbyterian church, or Lutheran church, or a Catholic church. And they hear us talk about baptism, and they're not quite sure what to do. But we, we baptize people um, at our church for the specific spiritual purpose of being able to stand up in front of family and friends and say, I have decided that I'm going to follow Jesus. It doesn't undo anything in your life. But I had a man ask me just a few weeks ago. He called me and said, Christian, I was baptized when I was eight. I was already a Christian, but I don't really remember it. And it really wasn't a statement of my faith. I just, like my mom and dad told me to do it. And I feel like um, that I want to get baptized to show my kids now and my friends and family that like I, I identify with Jesus can I get baptized again or would that mess up everything from my past? I said, man, do whatever you want to do. Jesus got baptized at 30 and it wasn't because he needed forgiveness. He was making a statement that he was going to live his life a certain way. So would you consider that? Would you pray about that? Would you, would you talk about that? Um, number 14, have you begun to read your Bible outside of church so that you can understand who Jesus and God are? If you haven't, no big deal. Just let us know. Have you realized any negative spiritual traits in your life that you'd like to see transformed for God's glory? So spiritual growth is two ways. What goes in, what comes out. What goes in, we're trying to get people to pour the word of God into them. What comes out is bad attitudes and bad habits and bad addictions. Are you aware of things in your life that 
probably a Christian shouldn't have, and you're trying to figure out how to get those out of your life. Um, if the answer is no, it's no. If the answer is yes, that's a good thing. Have you begun to pray more as a result of your time at our church? Um, do you wake up thinking about what it means to follow Jesus on a daily basis and how it might shape your life? I'm a Christian, so today I need to live this way when I encounter. Um, have you begun to give to the ministry of JCI with an excitement about the kingdom impact you're giving? Can I give you a weird stat that I believe is true? I don't know it to be true, but I believe it's true. Some of the people who give the most at our church are people who were at a young age taught to tithe, give 10%, and they cut a check or give online without ever thinking about where it goes. They're not really thinking about ministry. They're not thinking about the ministry it does. They just give because they've always given. And their heart is not really connected to the ministry of our church. They just give. And we're very grateful for all those people and how they fund our church. Some of the people who financially give the least, $3, $5, $10 a week, they give because their heart is 100% sold out to the vision. And when they give, they think about orphans. And when they give, they think about pastors. And when they give, they think about hungry kids in Lee Summit. Is your giving attached to the heart that our ministry is doing? Or are you just striking a check? Listen, if you're just striking a check, please keep doing that. I don't want you by any means to stop (laughs) doing that. However, I would love for you to connect where that money is going to your heart so that when you give, you think about orphans. You think about persecuted pastors. You think about hungry kids in Lee Summit. Because you're missing a blessing if you don't realize that when you give a dollar or a hundred dollars, lives are being changed. So... Is your heart engaged um, in giving? Um, verse, ni- or n- verse 19. Number 19. Um, has it become important to you personally that JCI reach people and impact you for Jesus? Like, do you drive around this community and think, man, people need our church and they need Jesus and what it can do for them? Uh, is this just where you go to church or is this your life ministry to help people know who Jesus is? Um, and then number 20. And this, this question is only a survey question. By the way, your, your name is not on here, so I can't call you, regardless of how you answer number 20. But I believe the most important ministry of our church is happening in the preschool and in the children's area. Knowing what I know now as a parent of a fourth grader and a, a third grader and a fifth grader, um, I would try to give some of my time to the children's ministry. The question is, would you be willing to serve in the children's ministry once a month? Why? To help us build a legacy of next-generation Christians. Like it or not, in 20, 25 years, we're going to be the old folks that the new folks are trying to get away from. And if we haven't taught them what it means to deeply love Jesus, hung out with them at church, spent time with them, um, we don't want to lose a generation. So would you be willing? See, I'm not a kid person. I'm not asking if you're a kid person. Are you a Jesus person? Would you be willing to hang out with kids once a month just to help them understand who Jesus is at our church? And then three bonus questions. Um, Bonus question number one. We've been thinking about doing this, but if our people won't do it, We can't. Uh, Would you be willing to commit to serve one day a year in our local community if we organized a large-scale, high-impact project? We've been considering going to talk to the mayor of Lee Summit or city council or the superintendent of the Lee Summit School District to say something like this. Um, We have three to 400 people who will give eight hours in one Saturday. Give us the biggest project you need done that you don't have funding or help for now, and let us help you. Um, you don't ever have to come to our church. N- nobody needs to know about what does our community need that our church can help provide. But if no one from our church would help, that would be a long day for me and Danielle and my two kids. So would you be interested if, if the city of Lee Summit came to us and said, you can help here, would you, would you put 
some hard labor in Jesus' name and to improve in our community. Uh, bonus question two, what do you love most about our church? We'd love to know that so we can do it better and do it more. And then bonus question number three, what one thing can we do to better, uh, what one thing can we do better to have more ministry impact on you and your family? Um, what do you wish our church had that it didn't have? What do, you, what do we do that you wish we did more often? Or what do we do that you wish we didn't do at all? Um, I would love to hear from you, and I wish I had an hour to sit down with everyone and just have this conversation one-on-one, but um, what are some things that, that you would love to see us do to make our church better for you and your family? And I promise you, these are coming home with me today. I will read these, and I will deeply consider and pray on every single thing that's given to us because we want to have a great church filled with great people who are getting closer to Jesus. Now, what are we going to do? Uh, a couple things. Um, one, we need your survey so that we can go through it and see how we're doing. So I'm going to ask you, if you're done with it, to pass it over to the aisle. Center section, I want you to pass it to this aisle. Um, so just give it to the person beside you. They're not going to read it. They're not going to look at it. Don't read it. Don't look at it. Your name's not on it, so it really doesn't matter anyway. Uh, but we're going to pass these so that our ushers can come down the aisle and collect them. And just last person on the row, when you get it, hold it up, um, and they will, uh, they'll collect it. If for some reason you're not done with it yet because you're writing me a book about what we can do better, which is fine, go ahead and write that book. Um, just throw it in the offering basket when it goes by or you can leave it at the Next Steps tent at the uh, back if you're not done yet. But, but here's one thing I need you to do because we're not totally done yet. Though we're close, um, here's what God has spoken to me about. He said, Christian, you can use this survey to help understand where your church is and you can use this survey to help people understand where they are spiritually. So on the bottom of kind of your notes today, there's this blank next steps section. And here's what God revealed to me as I was putting this survey together. He said, Christian, there's going to be some people that as they take the survey today, they're going to read a question, and it's going to be something that they should be doing that they're not, and God's going to convict their heart. Like, it may be a date night question, or it may be a credit card question, or it may be a Bible reading question, or it may be an inviting someone question, or it may be a volunteer question. People are going to read over a question today, and they're going to answer no, but they're going to wish they would have answered yes. And I'm going to speak to people, even in the midst of a survey, I'm going to speak to people in specific areas. My question for you is, what is God speaking to you about today? As you look at this survey and as you fill it in, what thing on this survey today, more than the rest, got your attention of, I need to do that. I'm not doing that. That was a no, but I wanted it to be a yes. And for your own next steps, that is your spiritual challenge today. Whatever God has spoken to your heart, at whatever point you thought, I'm not doing that and I need to do that, that is your next step today. Maybe you're a business owner. And your spiritual next step today is God didn't really convict you over anything, but you were looking and you thought, I wonder if my employees know the values and vision of our company. I wonder how they think things are going. And maybe your next step today as a business leader or as a school teacher or a principal or as a leader of people is to kind of put together a survey if you can handle the feedback on how people that you're leading think things are going. But I don't want you to leave today without having a next step that you're going to try to implement. Why? Because growth is very important. Content is not as important as growth. Growth is very important, and we want you to grow. Second thing that I'm going to do, because I ask our ushers, because I, I knew this question would come up, um, and I already had some people after the first service say thank you. Some of you are going to want one of these for yourself. 
So it's like, man, that's like a great thing monthly to go over. So we've got stacks of, of blank surveys at the Next Steps tent and at the doors as you leave and in the Welcome Center. I would love for you to go get one of these, throw it in your Bible, and just once a month or a couple times a year, just look through this and see how you're doing and whether or not you're growing and focused on growth. Listen, if you ask me how our church was doing, um, I'd say on Sundays it's a lot of fun. And our small groups are fun. And when our volunteers get together, it's crazy fun. Um, but how are people doing spiritually? I would hope good. But it's important enough to me that we take an entire Sunday to stop and say, um, it's very important. It's more than hope. I deeply desire that you grow spiritually and that you understand how important it is to Jesus that you are taking next steps to grow spiritually. So if you get nothing else out of today, if I have bored you to death, I apologize. But take with you today the fact You were not meant to just exist and come to church on Sunday morning. You were meant to grow. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for our time this morning. A little different format, a little different style. Um, But God, perhaps way more important today than a normal Sunday. Because God, maybe we're going to see where our church is lacking in some things. And God, thank you that we're generous and that we appreciate and that we try to stay simple and um, that we have global impact and that we're pretty friendly and we try to be spirit-led. And um, and God, that what we set out to do in many ways, we're doing. But God, if our church gets to where it is and then goes beyond and no one is really growing spiritually... I'm just trying to figure out whether or not that really is a church. I don't just want to be a gathering. I don't want to be a Sunday morning deal. Um, I want to be a group of people who are journeying together to know Jesus more and impact their community and their world for Him. So God, laser our focus to that today so that we can uh, just reflect on that all week, how we're doing and what we need to do to continue to take next steps towards you. We love you. God, we need you. We, uh, we thank you for what you've done in our midst and how you're moving and the spiritual decisions that have been made. Baptisms we're going to celebrate today. I thank you that the rain quit for a little while. Uh, and God, I just pray that as we give today, as we serve tearing down, uh, as we greet, as people leave, as we baptize, uh, that it will all be about growing closer to Jesus um, and it will all be with purpose so that the vision which was given to a team, now gets given to a church which radically impacts a community. We need your help in this. So God, I pray that you would help us. Wesley sings in Jesus' name and everyone said, Amen. Hey, take this connection card if you would.